that better? <laughs> Technology is amazing. Father, I just thank you for your goodness again. Lord, what a wonderful God you are. How can we ever praise you enough? How can we ever thank you enough? How can we ever give enough to you, Father, of ourselves? It's impossible to match your goodness, Lord. And we just understand that this morning. But, Father, we just pray your goodness would flow through us, that we might see you, Father, face to face, even as friends, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so last week I urged you all to become religious and uh, hopefully <laughs> hopefully you are. You made a decision this year, I'm going to be a religious person in the best sense of the word, that, that we are committing ourselves to God in our actions, our behaviour, our words and putting our treasure somewhere where we know our heart can follow. Now I don't know if... Uh, who remembers the TV series Friends? I'm sure you do. It's still on TV at the moment. They had a theme song that was, um, when they sing it, it's one of the lines goes, feels like you're always stuck in second gear. I don't know if you've ever heard that, thought about it. I don't know about if any of you have had dreams like I have. Uh, and I asked Jo about it. She said she didn't. <laughs> where you're running. Have you ever had dreams where you're running? And you're in slow motion and you're just like so frustrated, I just can't seem to run, all I'm doing is walking. Or another dream that I have is I'm trying to phone someone and I'm sitting there going, seven right numbers, I just can't get the next one and, and I have to start again. Anyone ever had those dreams? Yes, <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs> but they're frustrating, aren't they? It's like, you know what needs to happen, but it just doesn't happen. Um, sort of like when you tell the kids to clean up the room, I suppose. But it's, it's like this second gear that you're stuck in. And if you've ever been in a car, which you can't change the gears in, it is frustrating. We had that when, uh, when I was working with area contracting, tree lopping. There was one car that lost its gears at the time and it was stuck in a gear. And so you're driving along and then all of a sudden the clutch isn't working and you're like stuck in gear. What happens is there's these high revs if you're trying to go faster, but you just can't. There's a limit to what you can do. Now, if you have an automatic car, you don't probably get stuck in gears, although I think that can happen there as well, not being a mechanic. But I just wonder if sometimes, as Christians, we lack the understanding to take us out of that gear, that second gear that we're stuck in, especially as new believers in Christ, uh, but there's many who have been in Christ for a long time. They believed in Christ and they've got certain things they know and certain things they believe, but they seem to just live in this second-gear Christianity. It's like, I just want to do the right thing. I just want to be the person that God wants me to be, but you're stuck in this gear that just doesn't help you at all. Now, I would say that most Christians understand they're forgiven. Do you, do you understand that, that God forgave you? Yeah? Most would understand that they're going to heaven, although many would believe that it depends on how good I am on the day. You know, maybe I'm going to heaven today, but tomorrow maybe not. I've, I've talked to Christians like that where they're saying, yeah, today God would have taken me to heaven, but tomorrow if I do the wrong things, then he won't. But... That's another one of those things that, that we've been given the confident assurance of that we are going to go to heaven. 
But so many people don't understand eternal life. Okay, so what I want to do is sort of delve into that a little bit this morning. What does eternal life actually really mean? Why, why life? What was dead? If, if I've got eternal life, obviously our physical body dies, but what does that mean to me? Let's have a look at something that John wrote in uh, the book 1 John, chapter 5 and verse 33. As he's writing this letter to people to encourage them in faith, he says this, I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. You know that death of Jesus was worse than any other death? And we might think, oh, you know, other people have died, they've been tortured. So Jesus went to the cross and, and there was a beating on him, he was tortured. But no one else had the whole force of hell, Satan, the demons, hatred against them like Jesus did when he died on that cross. In fact, Isaiah talks about Jesus' body being marred beyond the, the image of any man ever. It says that, they couldn't even recognize that he was human. This was horrific. It was the worst death that has ever happened. But this death was so that we could have eternal life. Those of us who believe in Jesus could have eternal life. That is what it was for, so that we could live forever with God. And it is believing in the name of Jesus Christ, that he was the Son of God, that he was raised from the dead and confessing with our mouths that we are saved. So what we need to understand is what does saved mean? Saved being a new creation. And we need to understand what it is for us to have a new created us and why we have benefits because of that. What's the benefits of me actually becoming a new creation. Because we are so much more than just forgiven sinners. Have you ever heard preaching like that? You're just a sinner, you're a worm, you're nothing, you're a nobody, and, and God by his grace has saved you, which is absolutely true. But there's a moving on from that. As I said, most of us believe we've been forgiven. Most of us will believe we go to heaven, but most of us don't really think about this eternal life all that much. That Jesus died, that we could have life and life in abundance the day that we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord. So to set this up, I want to revisit something that we've talked about before. Okay, So you and me, all of us, are three-part beings. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. So what this says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three parts to us. Is this echoed anywhere else in the Bible? Yes, it is. Daniel talks about this in the book of Daniel and he says, It was grieved in my spirit, within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. So in other words, there are three different things happening. And our spirit man can also be called the heart of man, the innermost being, the hidden man of the heart. There are other descriptions of it. Our soul is the mind and the emotions, the feelings that are tied to the way we think, 
which is something that as Christians that we work at reforming our whole lives, renewing our minds, thinking the way that God wants us to think. And the body, well, we all know about that, don't we? I'm just going to do what I feel like and we are aware of it, we're aware of its needs and sometimes you see this described as flesh, the outer man or the tent, this physical body that passes away one day but it's got such desires, doesn't it? You know, some people are just one big body, that's all they ever are. It's like we'll just follow after whatever I want to do, that's it, I'm following that. And the spirit and the soul are not the same. Okay, so let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. This is how we know this to be true. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. So what we're seeing is here that the word of God actually cuts between our soul and our spirit, our mind, intellect and emotions. There's something about the word of God that cuts between that. In fact, the Bible talks about how we cannot believe the message of Christ if we're unsaved. Many times it's just foolishness to us. It's just foolish because it doesn't make any intellectual sense that a man hung on the cross for us that the sin of the world was put upon his shoulder, yet when we heard that, each and every one of us who believed on the name of Jesus had this spark of life that came as the word of God spoke to our spirit and said, you need me. That emptiness that you have is because you do not have me in your life and that word of God divided between the soul and the spirit. They're very close. So the images of bone and marrow, we know if we... We've seen a bone that marrows inside the bone. They're very close. They're linked. They're, they're, they're one and the same, but they're different. They give health and life to each other, but they are different. And you see, it is important for us to understand because if we do, we fully appreciate what being born again means, what being new means. It's important to know because then we can fully appreciate what Jesus did for us on the cross. What do you think most people you know are dominated by? Would you say they're dominated by their body, so their needs and their wants? Their soul, so their emotions and an intellect? Is it, is it that they regard the way they think as being the most important thing? Or by their spirit? Now I'd say most of us would go, most people I know are dominated by their flesh and their intellect and especially those who have never received Jesus Christ. Why? Because if you're not born again, your spirit man is dead. And we're going to talk about what dead really means in a minute. You still have a spirit but the spirit is dead. And that's why you get these people that will philosophize and, and educate and intellectualize about God and try and prove that God is real intellectually, but you can't. They try to prove that he's not real intellectually, and they can't. You get other people who go, well, if I feel God, then, then if my body feels like it needs God, then I'll go to God. But in the meantime, 
I'm just going to do whatever I want. Why is that? Because, as I said, before we receive Christ, we are dead spiritually. After we receive Christ, we become alive. Our new alive spirit is meant to be dominating our flesh nature and dominating our soul nature. So as our spirit grows in strength and begins to dominate our soul, our intellect, our mind and emotions to think the way he wants us to do, and as we crucify the flesh daily because our spirit man becomes alive, we are no longer interested in those things that aren't of God. We want to follow after God. You see, your spirit man just wanted to come to church this morning in fellowship with God. Your spirit man wants to wake up in the morning and pray and read the word. Your spirit man wants to be kind to others. Your spirit man knows the truth. But if you are not a Christian, you are spiritually dead. Your spirit is dead. And this all happened when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and they guaranteed it for all of us. Let's have a little look at Genesis. So this is in the beginning when God created man. And then so the first bit is God creating man. The second bit is when death came. So Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 and then verse 16 and 17. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostril and the man became a living person. So when we say living person, what does that mean? It means that his body came alive, his spirit came alive, and his mind and intellect, his ability to think and reason things came alive. It all happened as God breathed life into man. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat that fruit, you are sure to die. What does that really mean? You are sure to die. We're just saying that a man was made spiritually alive to God. His body was alive. His intellect and emotions were activated by the breath of God. But this translation actually reads this way. So if you've got the sept Septuagint, it is a translation of the original and it is. it says this, by death you shall die, by death you shall die. So there's a present death and there's a future death. So what died that day was Adam's spiritual aliveness to God. And I'll explain why that's dead in a minute. See, Adam didn't die straight away. In fact, it was 930 years old when Adam died. So he ate the fruit. He didn't die the next day. He had kids. He raised kids, grandkids, great-great-grandkids. I don't know if you live to 930 how many greats you get to, but I'm sure it's quite a few. But in dying, you shall die. Because you're spiritually dead now, there's going to be a physical death that follows. So we have two deaths. The spiritual death of man... And then the physical death which came later. Adam passed from life to death. Not death to life. And spiritual death came first, then the physical death came. And that spiritual death reigned in men until Jesus came, was died, dead and resurrected 
and seated at the right hand of the Father. Let's have a look at Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. See, people who sin, or sinners, we call it sinners, people whose nature is to sin, sin because they're spiritually dead. Now, if I had a dog named Rover and it died peacefully in its sleep and I got it stuffed, (laughs) that dog's dead, right? So I could take Rover out for a walk, somehow dragging him along, you know, (laughs) grab a tennis ball, fetch Rover. What's Rover going to (laughs) do? Pretty much nothing, right? He's going to stand there looking... However, I got his face made when he he got stuff, right? Which would be happy. But they're just going to stand there. You see, dead things don't hear. Dead things don't do. Dead things just be dead. They do nothing. So you would expect no response, right? No response whatsoever. And that is why... When we are talking about spiritual things with those people who have never become alive to Christ, they don't get it. They really don't get it. So with your spirit being dead, it's very limited in what it can do. It can't have control of your life and you certainly cannot have eternal life with a dead spirit. But death does not mean that you finish forever, right? Do you get that? So when I say dead, what does it actually really mean? The Bible talks about being dead as being separated from the land of the living, the source of life that you have. So when we die physically, we are still alive, but we're separated from the land of the living. And that's what it means to be spiritually dead. We are separated from the source of life who is God. So it's being described as cut off, cut off from that source of life. So often we think of, of, of death as Westerners, I guess, or as people, as death being a finality thing, but it's not. It's being separated from the source of life. So just to be clear, an unsaved person cannot understand spiritual things. So if you are talking with unsaved people, trying to express your faith, going to them, you know, this is what I believe and or Jesus spoke to me, they're not going to understand. Except for this one thing that God speaks in and through that death to try and bring us back and that's done through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus died and gave life to that human spirit. The world cannot understand it. And we think that getting right with God must therefore be brownie points. Like intellectually that makes sense. If I'm good enough, God will accept me. If I get enough brownie points, and I've heard this so many times, if I get enough brownie points, then I can be saved. But you can't. 
As I said, it's that separation from God which can only be bridged by the blood of Jesus Christ, accepting that death for you and coming to him and saying, I believe, that's it. So let's have a look at how this works. John chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. We've read this recently as well, but this is about a man called Nicodemus. Now this guy's smart. Apparently he's about the third richest person in the whole of Jerusalem, at the, oh, sorry, Israel at the time. Very smart, very educated. And why I want you to see that is because an answer that he gives later on to this. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. See that? A person who is not born again cannot see the kingdom of God. They don't understand God and they don't understand spiritual things. But you are born again and you can see God, you can see his kingdom and you can and should know spiritual things. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can a man and an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. What's, what's his answer show? It shows that intellectually he's trying to figure this out. How can I do that? How can I possibly be born again? But a spiritual truth cannot be understood by a natural man, which is why Jesus spoke in parables. Because he knew those who understood were looking for God and trying to grab hold. Those who were really spiritually dead were not going to listen at all. If you are not spiritually alive, you cannot hear spiritual truths. You'll hear it, but you just don't get it. But in saying that, there are these times when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe inside you today you're going, this doesn't make sense, but it makes perfect sense. I need Jesus. Today is the day that you should act on that. You should say, God, even though I don't fully understand, I'm going to give my life to you because the Holy Spirit is now talking to your heart directly. And if you're here searching for God or thinking, what is it about God that I need? You will feel it right now because God takes opportunity and he speaks to you spirit to spirit and what he's saying to you is take advantage of this moment in time because you don't know whether you'll get another one. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. There is never a better time to act. There is a ne never a better time to turn your life around than today. Take advantage of this moment. If that's you today, if you're feeling, I need to give my life to Christ, do it now. All you have to do is say, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's your son and I accept him into my heart now. I give my life to you, God. Forgive me of my sin. That's it and you will become spiritually alive. Spiritual life cannot come without spiritual truth. So Nicodemus showed that he couldn't grasp it in his mind. Why, as I said, the natural man relies on the body, the thoughts, the intellect, the emotions to make decisions by the spiritual man, when you get born again, becomes alive to Christ. What's this got to do with second gear? 
Did you know no one could be born again until Christ died? You read about all these heroes in the Bible and Moses and Daniel, David, Deborah, amazing people of the Bible. They couldn't be born again until Jesus died and went to heaven. They could be forgiven. They could be justified. Jesus said that to people, didn't he? He went around saying, your sins are forgiven, get up and walk. When King David had sinned in the Old Testament and Nathan the prophet came to him and talked to him about what had happened, David said, oh, just pray that God will forgive me. And the answer was, God has already forgiven you. Peter, Jesus prayed for him. He said, when you're converted, go and strengthen your brethren. There's a time in your life that you need to be converted to give your life to Jesus. And no one could be born again in the Old Testament, not until Jesus had died. And this is the privilege we live under as Christians, the new covenant. And it talks about the flesh of the heart, the dead part of our heart being cut away. So in the Old Testament, there was an agreement made between God and Abraham and, and if you were his person, you're, you were his people, you had to go through circumcision where dead skin was cut away from the private parts. Well, Jesus, when he died and rose again, it says your heart was dead. There's some dead stuff in your heart. But now it's not the circumcision of the flesh. In other words, a physical act that brings you to me. Now it's a circumcision of the heart. You see, every Christian, listen to me very carefully. Your heart is new. The dead part of your heart has been circumcised away and it is alive to Christ. But that does not mean your spirit, your new alive spirit, is in charge of your life. And that is why sometimes people feel like they're in second gear. They have an understanding intellectually of God and, and physically they've felt the touch of God, but the spirit that's in them, their own spirit, has not yet dominated who they are because why? The spirit is now alive and it must dominate your flesh, your body and your thinking if you want to get out of that second gear and move into everything that God has for you. And so it is so important that we strengthen that spirit man that's in us. We can neglect the spiritual things, but you will live a life of Christianity stuck in second gear. And I want to encourage you that your man, the new you, the real you, the born-again you, the one that has been now made alive in Christ, is crying out for relationship, fellowship, prayer, the word, dedication to God. And if you do feed that spirit man, you'll find that he will, she will take control of your life and all of a sudden, the things that you feel are dominating, you dominate no longer. Why? Because who's in control? The born again spirit, the spirit that is now alive to Christ, who can hear from God clearly. Let's have a look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 to 12. So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every rule and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. 
Now, our faith in the bodily resurrection of Jesus is the very thing that generates our spiritual resurrection. So when I say to God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he raised him from the dead, this is what brings a change into my life and I am alive. I don't think we understand that. So often we know we're forgiven, we know we're going to heaven, but we don't understand that impact of eternal life. And inside of you, every Christian, you have right now the seed that is going to raise your body, your actual physical body, from the dead someday. If you've received Christ, that is going to happen. And instead of passing from life to death, you're passing from death to life. You have done it spiritually, but also physically after you die, because of his resurrection, your body is going to be raised. Now that's exciting, isn't it? Adam died physically because he died spiritually and we are going to be brought to life physically because we are alive spiritually. Colossians 2, 13 to 15. But you are dead because of your sins and because of your sin and your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Please listen to that. If you feel that you are a sinner, that verse makes no sense, right? What is it saying? My sinful nature has what? Been cut away. Who's it being cut away from? Those who believe in Christ. No, you do not have a sinful nature. Oh, yes, I do. Well, this says that you don't. You do not have a sinful nature. You don't want to sin. The real you, the born again you, does not want to sin. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He cancelled the record of charges against you and cut it away by nailing it and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In that way he disarmed spiritual powers, authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I don't know about you. You ever been in a place where You've been in a restaurant or something and, and, and you've eaten. Imagine this. You get to the end of your meal and you haven't got your wallet. You've just ordered the best meal ever, the most expensive food that you can think, the most expensive drink. You've enjoyed the night, but at the end of it, there's a bill to pay. You know what? That's what Jesus did. He paid that bill for you. It's like this, see? You owe $30,000. That was a good meal, right? And guess what everyone else in that restaurant does too, but it's like this. See the spike? I don't know if you've ever seen them before. They get the bills when they're paid and they just go bang like that on there. That was your sin on the cross when Jesus died for you. It said he nailed it there. Your sin was nailed there. It says you owe but I'm paying. This bill is paid by me and the death of Jesus Christ is paid so that you can have new life and live forever, live eternally and that your spirit man come alive because you are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. You've been bought by the blood of Christ and forgiveness is yours. Yes, and heaven is yours, but also new life is yours here on this earth. Those who do follow after the spirit It says they have life. 
And every person who is born again has a spirit that is alive, that is resurrected, that is no longer separated from God and can talk to him every day and feel the love and warmth of his Holy Spirit in their heart and grow them in faith and strength and love and dominate their thoughts, their feelings and their emotions. So feed your spirit, man, guys. If you feel like you're stuck in second gear, that's why we talked about be more religious last week. The discipline of action bringing about habit which brings about desire. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also or will be also. Your heart will follow your treasure. Invest in spiritual things, and you will find your life changing. Feed your spirit man. Make sure your spirit man's strong. Read the Bible. Get to know the word, and you will find this man inside of you, this woman inside of you, become stronger and stronger, and the things of this world become less and less as you look into the face of your Saviour, Jesus Christ. You are not divine, but the divine nature of God now flows through you. And we should celebrate that.